You're listening to the Nutrition by Lex podcast with Alexis Roberts, a dietetic graduate student and soon-to-be registered dietitian. Hey guys, welcome back to the Nutrition by Lex podcast. I'm Alexis Roberts, a soon-to-be registered dietitian. Um, Today we are going into episode number three, I think, of the Nutrition 101 series. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. In the first episode of the series, I talked all about macronutrients, protein, carbs, and fats, you know, all that good stuff. And then the second episode, I talked about blood sugar. So now today for the third episode, we are going to be talking about digestion and all of the basics when it comes to digestion. So I feel like I could talk about digestion and gut health and stuff all day long. I love this topic. It's so interesting to me. I think that digestion is one of the like the most interesting topics when it comes to nutrition, like down to a cellular level. It is just so intricate and insane. Like I could talk about this kind of stuff for forever. So in today's episode, I'm just going to be giving you a nice little overview of digestion and just the basics version of it because everyone eats food and everyone digests food. So this is really relevant to like everyone listening. <laughs> And I just think everyone should have a basic understanding of like how this works. So let's get started. So digestion is basically everything that happens with the food after we consume it and digest it, I guess you'd say. Not after we digest it, but like that's the very beginning. So after we consume it, put it into our mouth. Digestion is everything that happens after that. So obviously the first step will be like in your mouth. You'll have a meal, you'll pick up your bite, put it in your mouth, and that's the first step of digestion, right? So this digestion starts in your mouth mechanically as soon as it like hits your mouth by you chewing it and the saliva breaking it down. That is the first step of digestion. It happens immediately as soon as it enters your mouth. There is a little bit of chemical digestion that happens in your mouth and that is solely for carbohydrates. There's an enzyme that lives in your mouth. It's called amylase. It's although in other areas of your body as well in digestion, but Amylase is in your mouth and this breaks down carbohydrates. This happens very, it's a very small part of the digestion in your mouth, but it does happen for the carbohydrates. Um, But the main point of digestion inside your mouth is the chewing process. So while you're chewing, you're in like the foods in your mouth, you're chewing it around, you know, um, it will cause the food to come into this like little ball. I don't know how to explain it. I'm trying to like get it out. I think it's called a bolus. Bolus. Yeah, that's right. It sounds right. Um, It's basically just like a little ball of food. So this bolus is what actually enters into your digestive tract. So when you swallow that, it'll go down your esophagus and enter into your stomach. So before I go any farther, everything from here on out as far as digestion is pretty much ruled as hormones. Hormones are chemical messengers or chemical signals that pretty much run our entire body it functions like they run everything about our body just to name a few there is gastrin cholecystokinin i think i said that right secretin motilin somatostatin those are just name a few but there are so many different hormones that they all play roles with digestion there's so many different roles that this plays these hormone plays even if it's like it's telling you like hey stomach secrete more stomach acid or secrete more pancreatic fluid or to even tell the stomach to slow down and the intestines to speed up. So I just want to make sure that I mentioned that small little tidbit because like to me it's very interesting, but I also think it's very important to know about when talking about the about this topic. And the ones that I mentioned, that's not even nearly close to half the hormones that your body uses, but it's just a little 
just a short little piece to give you guys. So moving on, now the bolus or like the little ball of food that I mentioned before is now traveled down our esophagus and has entered into our stomach. So believe it or not, the stomach is actually split up into four different sections. And within those different se sections, there are so many, like so many different cell types inside of the stomach. And each of these specific cell types, they all have their own specific function. So what happens to the stomach is pretty much that a bunch of hydrochloric acid is released and it's basically sent into the stomach to help break down our foods. So this creates a very chemical, um, acidic environment. That's the word I'm looking for. Acidic environment. So not only is it the, your food being broken down chemically, but your stomach is also, I wish you guys could see my hands right now. I'm like pulsing them in and out. So it's like, it's moving and it's also breaking down the food that way. It's like flexible, you know, like a, I don't even know. Like if you were to take a ball and like push in one side and push in the other side and like morph it, I guess you should say, like that's what your stomach looks like when it's digesting food. So during this process, your food isn't going to be completely liquefied in the stomach, but during the chemical breakdown and the movement of your stomach, I wish you guys could see my hands again, in the movement of your stomach, um, it's going to be broken down into very small bits of food. So like I said, it's pretty much mainly chemically being broken down right now, and that is it's, it's mainly going to be breaking down proteins and carbs in the stomach. Fat normally doesn't start to get digested until we'll, we hit the until we hit the intestines. Wow, Alexis, you can't talk today. So all of this acidic liquid and stuff that's in the stomach is getting mixed up, and it's now what we called chyme. Chyme is what then moves on into our intestines. So here's a fun fact for you about chyme: is that we only pass about two teaspoons of that chyme from our stomach to our intestines every minute. So it's actually a pretty slow and drawn out process. So once that um, acidic chyme hits the intestinal wall, it actually triggers some hormones, of course, more hormones. So when this happens, it's going to do a couple things. First, it's gonna trigger the pancreas to release pancreatic juices, which was which is a like super basic solution. So it's gonna neutralize the acidity in the chyme and it's because it has a lot of bicarbonate in it. There's also some enzymes and electrolytes mixed in with this as well. This also triggers our gallbladder to contract and start to secrete some bile. So bile is actually made in the liver. Um, it's made from cholesterol and a few other things, but the bile is stored in the gallbladder. Um, the gallbladder kind of just acts like a storage unit or a reservoir for the bile. So once those two things are secreted into the intestines, it creates the perfect environment, environment like a neutralized environment for all of these things to start breaking down your proteins and carbs more, but also start to breaking down those fats that you've consumed. So carbs and proteins are going to pretty much be broken down into their simplest forms. And then all of the fat is going to be formed into what's called chylomicrons. So once we get to this stage, this is when things are allowed to go on and get absorbed. So when I say absorption, I mean either vitamins or minerals or those broken down macronutrients, and they are going to pass through the intestinal wall. And this allows them to go into our bloodstream and throughout the rest of our bodies. So the really interesting thing about this whole absorption through the intestinal wall, so there are kind of like three ways that our intestinal wall or intestinal lining or whatever you want to call it increases its surface area. So first we have these ring-like structures all the way through your intestines that kind of just like bulge into like an inner tube like you know, you guys know what an intestine sort of looks like. I'm sure you've seen pictures. It looks like a, like a 
pipe, sort of. Um, so these rings are bulging into the center of that. And then for the actual lining of the intestines, it's actually not a smooth surface. Like, I know most people just probably look at it and think like, oh yeah, it's probably smooth. Um, but we have these things called villi. So villi is pretty much just like hair-like projections or little finger-like fine projections off the sides of the surface of the intestinal wall. So basically, again, this is just to create extra surface area because instead of just having like a flat line, um, smooth surface, you have these like little bumps and finger light projections off the sides of the wall. So it's having to go in and out, in and out, in and out of, um, I wish you guys just could see me like pointing at my fingers. This needs to be a video. I'm thinking about this now because I'm talking with my hands a lot, but you guys get the point. It increases surface area. So one more thing added on top of the villi is that there are also microvilli. So pretty much they're exactly what they are, microvilli, on top of the already villi inside of the intestinal wall. So they're all along the normal villi, I guess I should say, and then there's like little versions of them on top of that. So after all of these three things playing a role in surface area on these intestines, specifically the small intestines, if you can picture it, it's about three feet wide when all laid out and like added all of those extra surface areas on top of it. Isn't that crazy? And it can also be up to three football fields long. I know that sounds absolutely absurd and crazy and just unnatural, but if you think about all the little tiny folds and bumps and things that cause more surface area inside the small intestines, if you laid that flat out, it can be up to three football fields long. How freaking insane is that? I just think that's mind-blowing. And it, it it just truly interests me and thinks, I just think it's so amazing. Like, as you can see, I'm like speechless. Like, it is so cool and science is just amazing. And I'm nerding out over it right now, honestly. Okay, so moving on. Once those micro or macronutrients are absorbed through that crazy, crazy big intestinal wall, it moves into what's called an enterocyte, which is pretty much just a cell in our intestines. And from there, we will send almost everything into the portal vein, which transfers back into our bloodstream, which will then go onto our liver. The only thing that doesn't go into our portal vein is the fats that we consumed. Um, they will actually go into our lymph system first. So the fat is transferred to the lymph system, it goes all the way through the lymph system, and then it will eventually be transported back into our bloodstream with the other proteins and carbs. So this happens pretty much just because um, it slows the process of our fat going into our bloodstream like super quick, because if our fat would be transferred to our bloodstream too fast, it could cause our blood to thicken, and clearly that would not be a good thing. So pretty much at this point where we're at in the digestion process, most of our nutrients have been absorbed through the intestinal matter, and whatever is left over will just continue through the intestines and go into the large intestines, or the colon. So the colon is a little bit wider than our intestines, but it's only about five feet long. So it's nowhere near the insanely large amount of surface area that we have in our small intestines. And the small intestine is definitely where like all of the action is for digestion in comparison to like the large intestine and the colon. So the small intestine is pretty much where all the magic happens. There are some secretions in the intest the large intestines and colon, but it's mainly just water and sodium being pushed back into the blood system bloodstream and pretty much just dehydrates whatever else is left after it gets through the small intestines. 
So in the colon, there is going to be a little bit of fermentation happening. There is a ton of bacteria, both good and bad, um, inside of our large intestines. You guys know the good bacteria is like pro and prebiotics. Um, I will talk a little bit about that later, but you guys know I love my pro and prebiotics. So those bacterias in the large intestine are going to be feeding off of whatever is left over as the matter that's being digested. So they, this bacteria can be synthesizing biotin, it can be synthesizing vitamin K. Um, these are the vitamins that our body can make naturally. And it can also um, be creating short-chain fatty acids, which are important because these are what seals our gut. And of course, after whatever matter is left over from our protein, carbs, fats, whatever has not been broken down and absorbed back into the body is secreted through our feces. So like I said, there is a ton, a ton of bacteria in this whole entire process pretty much of digestion, especially when it comes to in the intestines and the colon. So this is when it becomes important to have good gut health when it comes to your food, like pro and prebiotics that I mentioned. And I know gut health has been a huge buzzword recently. And honestly, it's for a good reason because most of us have really bad gut health. So that's me wanting to shift and move on to something else um, I, now that I've given you all the science background and stuff. So after this short break, um, I'm going to want to talk a little bit about seven ways to improve your digestion. I have an awesome new company that I want to share with you guys. It's called Ned. Ned is a wellness brand rooted in the belief that we can all feel better and live better through a simple means and deeper connection to the natural world. And y'all know I'm all about the holistic side of health. Ned produces a large variety of CBD oil blend. Personally, I have been using the 300 milligram CBD oil as well as the hormone balancing oil for around a month now. And oh my gosh, it is a life changer. I used to struggle really bad with falling asleep at night and occasionally struggle with anxiety. But ever since I started to use these products, I fall asleep like a dang baby and my anxiety has been at an all-time low. The other product that I have been absolutely loving is the Balance Oil Blend, and if you're a female, like most of you are, you need to try this product. The Balance CBD Oil supports hormone balance and eases period symptoms, and let me tell you, when my period cramps were sent from Satan himself before using this product, and now it barely feels like anything's going on down there. You've got to try it. These products have also been proven to help with anti-inflammatory a natural pain reliever, PTSD, treatment to depression, a rich source of antioxidants, as well as treatments for more serious chronic conditions such as epilepsy, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and more. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD products for yourself, we have a special offer for my Nutrition by Lex podcast listeners. So go to www.helloned.com lex15 or enter lex15 at checkout for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash L-E-X-1-5 to get 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. Thank you so much, Ned. And just to clarify, subscription orders are already discounted by 15% off on the first-time purchase, but when you use my code, you get an extra additional 5% off for a total of 20% off your subscription orders. Thank you so much to Ned for your amazing products and for sponsoring this episode. Okay guys, hi, welcome back. Um, so now that I have given you guys the scientific background of digestion and all that good stuff, scientific facts, I'm sure you guys loved, I'm now going to talk about my top seven tips on how to improve your digestion. So 
First, I want to start off with tip number one, and that is pro and prebiotics. So while probiotics and prebiotics sound very similar, they supplement a very different and have different roles in the digestive system or the gut health. So prebiotics are the non-digestible parts of the food, like bananas, when they're like really, um, really green still. So bananas, onions, garlic, uh, artichoke, skins of an apple, chicory root, beans, and many other foods. Prebiotics are the fiber that goes through the small intestine undigested and is fermented when it reaches the large intestine in the colon, like I just talked about. So this fermentation process feeds beneficial bacteria in our colon. Remember how I said there's good and bad bacteria? So prebiotics is what feeds that good bacteria, including, so this is also including the probiotic bacteria, which I'll get to in a second. And it helps to increase the number of desirable bacteria in our digestive system or the gut. Um, Same thing. That are associated with better health and reduced risks. So... Going into the benefits of prebiotics, so researchers have found that prebiotics are helpful in increasing the helpful bacteria around the gut to reduce disease risks and improve general well-being. Prebiotic fibers are not as fragile as probiotic bacteria because it is not affected by heat, stomach acid, or time, nor does the fermentations process differ depending on the individual. So next is probiotic. So probiotics are the living, like actual living bacteria that are naturally created by the process of fermentation in foods like yogurt, sauerkraut, miso soup, kimchi, kombucha, things along those lines. Probiotics are also available in pill form. um, And as the, they also have added ingredients to products like yogurts and health drinks and stuff. But if you are going to buy a probiotic in pill form, I suggest finding one that you have to keep refrigerated because that means that there are actual live cultures in there. So that actually means they're more beneficial and you're going to get way more out of them. So health profession professionals often recommend probiotics in supplement form to patients on antibiotics and This is an attempt to repopulate the colon with desirable bacteria after the course of antibiotics has wiped out both beneficial and undesirable bacteria. Some find that taking probiotics can combat gastrointestinal side effects of the medication and reduce the bacteria growth leading to yeast infections. So overall, whenever you're taking an antibiotic, I definitely suggest getting on a probiotic or increasing your consumption of those foods high in probiotics. My tip number two is to relax. Like seriously, like just relax. The sympathetic nervous system, um, which is your fight or flight, and the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest, um, play a huge role in how well we digest our foods. When you're experiencing stress, feeling of fear, anxious, or worried, the sympathetic nervous system will slow down the GI secretion and motility. So it just slows down the digestive process as a whole, pretty much. In extreme stress, digestion can be shut down altogether. It's your body's way of basically saying, hey, it seems like we have bigger issues to deal with right now. So we're just gonna, gonna like, 
take this whole digestion thing and slow it down because we don't have we don't want to have to worry about that. So this, of course, could be helpful if you were being chased by like Freddy Krueger. But the problem is our body cannot distinguish the difference between stress of you being chased down by like an axe murderer or you eating at your desk and frantically trying to reach a deadline. Continue, continued stress in our body and mind affects the body's ability to heal and perform. Stress and emotions play a major role in many digestive problems, such as ulcers, inflammatory bowel disease, irritable bowel disease, or IBS, also known as, and autoimmune diseases. To counteract the nasty effects of stress can cause the digestive system, I recommend doing some of the following. So maybe find a quiet or relaxing environment to eat your meals and maybe like away from your phone and computer that could be stressing you out. Try not to multitask when eating. Like I just said, the phone and the computer, get rid of them. Always try to take a real lunch break if you can. So this means leaving your desk, office, car, whatever. Take a short walk before or after you eat if you can and connect to the natural world for a little bit and just like deconnect from your work world right so take some deep breaths before eating do a short meditation or prayer think about where your food um food was grown how it how it got to your plate and just like be thankful for your food I know that sounds like super corny and cheesy but like do it I promise it helps as use calming essential oils like lavender or frankincense um these can help just like naturally relax your body just from the simple scent So that's tip number two, like just relax. So, and then tip number three is to limit your beverages. I'm sure someone could debate this um, recommendation, but I've always been under the impression and I've personally had great experiences with limiting the amount of beverages I've consumed before, during, or after a meal. Um, so this is especially, I'm basically talking about carbonated drinks like soda, um, even sparkling water and kombucha while you're drinking or eating a meal can affect your digestion. So I definitely suggest water while you're drinking, or I keep saying drinking a meal, what the heck, while you're eating a meal, it's going to just cause less issues for you because think about the bubbliness of the drinks and just causes a bunch of different things to happen in your stomach and your stomach and body is already doing so much when it's digesting your food so why put something else on top of it so this is especially true for it when you're consuming high protein meals as the enzymes that break down protein um pepsin like pepsin um requires a low ph to function best so to be cautious i would limit beverages 15 minutes before, during, and 15 minutes after your meal to promote optimal enzymatic and stomach acid function, especially those sodas and just bubbly drinks in general. So my tip number four is to chew your food. Sounds like something your mom would tell you to do, I know, but it's crazy what a difference thoroughly chewing your food can make. The mouth is our first step in digestion, as I mentioned before, and it is a important one. So saliva contains two enzymes, amylase and lipase, like I talked before, which helps begin the process of digestion. And they actually continue to work for about another hour until your stomach acids deactivate the enzymes. So aim to chew your food for at least 30 times. Like even if for the first couple times you have to sit there and consciously count 30 times until everything is well broken down and forms a soft mush in your mouth. 
that's that little ball of food that I was talking about earlier. So you can even do this with soft foods like yogurt or applesauce and just hold the food in your mouth and swirl it around and like like a little longer than usual. I know that sounds so gross and it's just weird to think about, but it can help. So this really makes a difference in improving the digestibility and absorption of our food. I would especially recommend this habit if you suffer from digestive issues like IBD, IBS, or leaky gut syndrome. So next, moving on to tip number five, eat slowly and take breaks. Eating slowly kind of goes hand in hand with chewing your food and that will naturally slow you down. But I wanted to really emphasize the importance of not rushing through your meals. Eating quickly probably means you're not in rest and digest mode. You're not allowing enough time for your digestive enzymes to work to their fullest potential and you may not realize how much you're eating. Go slow and take breaks to breathe or talk to whoever you may be eating with. This will also allow time for your food to settle and you'll better be better able to gauge your when you're hungry still or if you're super full. My tip number six is to stop when you're satiated. So stop when you're full. Side by side with eating slowly and taking breaks is to stop when you're satiated. What does it mean to feel satiated? So I would best describe it as the point when you don't feel hunger anymore, but you're not bursting from fullness, right? So on a scale of one to 10, I like to think of it like at a seven, but you know that point in a meal when you're feeling pretty good, but there's maybe a couple bites left on the plate and you decide to just go ahead and finish it, but those last couple of bites make you, make you feel uncomfortably full. I absolutely hate feeling like that. So I always try to stop before that point of being uncomfortably full. This will help from overwhelming the digestive system and prevent you from overeating too. No amount of food is too small to save for leftovers. I've saved some ridiculously small servings of leftovers before, but they always get eaten eventually by someone in the house or as a snack later on or something. So definitely just stop when you're full or satiated. And I, like I said, on a scale of one to 10, like a six or a seven, stop around there. So my last tip, tip number seven, is to stay up right after eating. This sounds kind of weird, but laying down or sleeping right after a meal can not only slow the whole digestive process, but can also allow digestive juices to creep back up towards the esophagus, causing heartburn and indigestion. Staying upright or going for a walk after eating is a better option for allowing optimal digestion to take place. Like I know for me personally, me and my family love going on walks with our puppy dog after dinner. Um, That's normally the first thing we do right after we eat. We clean up the table and then we go for like 20, 30 minute walks, sometimes not even that long. But we just take the dog for a walk and I know this really does help my digestion. I've noticed a big difference since we started doing that because we tend to lay down and watch movies or Netflix or something at the end of the night. But just having that short little walk in there in between eating and laying down, I found that it really may help. It really does help my digestion and it might help yours as well. So if you're in the position like this, so like if you if you have the time to do this, I suggest doing it. But if you are do want to go sit in bed and read something or something like that, don't lay down and go to sleep. Maybe just like sit up, like don't 
fully lay down. Um, you might also want to try to eat as far away from bedtime as possible. I know, like I've preached before, no matter what time you eat, it really doesn't matter on weight loss and stuff, but it can help with your, your digestion. So just make sure you're not laying down, like I said before. So there you go. Those are my top tips for improving digestion and all the things that have worked for me extremely well. I used to struggle with digestion a ton and it has been, I've gotten so much better. So I really hope this episode helps you out just as much as it reminded me about a lot of stuff when I was like digging up things to talk about. So I hope this helped out a lot. Share it with your friends, share it with your family, anyone that struggles with digestion. Hopefully this can help you and them as well. And I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. I love you all and appreciate your support so much. I will be uploading a new episode every Wednesday. So make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. Follow my Instagram and TikTok at Nutrition by Lex for more information and health inspiration.